Hello and welcome back to another Manchester United podcast. I'm Sam. Alongside me in this virtual chat room are Helen Evans and David May. We're still in lockdown. I feel the need to say that just in case you're listening to this way in the future thinking, why are they not just doing this in person? They're lazy. So uh, how are you guys? Helen, I'm coming to you first because I saw an absolutely incredible video on your Instagram this week and I think we can play the audio from it. What? Who's got the audio? I can't get down. Stop. I got in. Just you hold the window. Hold it. No chance. Hold the window. You're dirty in the wall. Oh. Hurt myself. I need shim pads or something. Turn that off. Uh, this is why my Instagram is private. <laughs> yes, so basically, we're having a problem with pigeons. You know the ongoing problem I have with birds. I've already explained this to you about six months ago. Yeah. But anyway, there's so many pigeons. They're just dirty and everything in the garden, like all the kids' toys and stuff, and it was just doing my head in. So, I went on Amazon, decided to um, research. Well, I first I researched how to get rid of pigeons. I told you not to get rid of them. Sorry for anybody that you know loves pigeons. It's it's not a personal thing. <laughs> it's a hygiene thing. So anyway, one of them said get a fake falcon or eagle. So that's what I did. Went on Amazon, bought myself three. So I sent Johnny out onto the roof because his dad said you have to put them up high. So I was like, you're not going to have to go out in the roof and put that up. So he, I was putting the kids to bed. I didn't even know he was outside. So then I heard this big, massive knock on the window in the bedroom. I was like, what is that? Like panicking. It was him. He's like, I'm stuck, <laughs> stuck on the roof. <laughs> we tried to get him in through the annex window. And it was possibly the funniest two minutes of my life because he's six foot three. I don't know the measurements of the annex window, but it's an annex window where the window kind of opens halfway if you know what I mean so he was trying to slide yeah. out it was honestly hilarious anyway we eventually got him out but it was very funny the video is joyous and did it work 10 minutes after we put it up a pigeon walked along the grass in the garden and he was like <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> but that was two days ago now no pigeons this morning wow none last night see and the garden is a cleaner place I told you to do that weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago I know but you know what it's not just something you go into Tesco's and see is it a fake eagle or a falcon. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't really at the forefront of my mind. Anyway, I've got three now. And my neighbour actually said to me, because I was telling her about it, she's like, oh, there's so many here too. So I might have to give her one. So all of yours have shifted next door. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I've got a on her place. Because I've only got one falcon up because Johnny's like, I am not going up there to put another falcon up. Sure. I was going to just put one on the grass, but apparently nah. they don't work if they're on the nah. grass. They have to be high up. Makes sense. Yeah, but what, they're actually quite clever. You fill them with water so that they stand. Right, that's good. It's very sophisticated. You don't have to tape it down or anything. Yeah. Good chat, that isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Amazing. You're playing golf again, right? Uh, I am playing tomorrow, Sam. Yes. Oh, lovely. I'm back playing, which is absolutely amazing. It's just great to be back on the golf course. Have you been every day? Uh, I played three times in the last week. So lovely. yeah, yeah, it's uh, so good. Amazing. Have you watched the Last Dance? Yes. Would you, if you were playing with Michael Jordan, would you play for money? 
Uh, I would play for money, but maybe not for his money, type of money. <laughs> <laughs> he is big bucks. But it's, he said in the documentary, to be fair, that they only sometimes bets like $10 or something. Oh, that was back in yeah, the day. Yeah, I'll, I'll, easy, $10 all day, not a problem. Was that the best sports documentary you've watched? I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was absolutely incredible. I mean, I knew it was good, but I didn't think it was that good. He is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, it's not really something I've ever been into and it's kind of, well, it was only really small when he was, but I do remember him being really famous and Space Jam being like a massive thing at the time. Do you remember though? <laughs> yeah, I, I was exactly the same. You didn't, you didn't really watch the NBA, yeah. Not quite old enough. But it was incredible, wasn't it? It was so good. One of those things that you're like, oh, is there no more episodes? I know. Yeah, that know. was it. It genuinely annoyed me. Yeah. They actually said that they had enough footage to do it, to do more. So. Oh, lazy. Do you not think that footage was so good, though, that they had all that? Mm. I know. All the dressing room. I know. What an inspiration. I know. Yeah, incredible. All right, from one incredible sporting documentary to another, this one in podcast form. Maisie, we've got your old mate, Albert. Yes. Kipman Albert. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's fantastic. Albert the Great. He's absolutely, he is brilliant. He really is. He's been requested a lot. He was also one of the first names in your podcast. And everybody just seems to say he's the he's the butt of all the jokes. He is, yeah. You have to pick, pick on somebody, don't you? So, oh, but not that he was bullying or anything. It was just uh, he was there all the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the heart of the team is the dressing room, right? Absolutely. And he's someone who was obviously always in the dressing room so he knows everything that was going on he could tell he, yeah if he wrote a book yeah absolutely it would be the best selling book ever <laughs> because some of the stories in that dressing room are, are uh, amazing but there's a you know uh, it's not a written law but there's a law that says what goes on in the dressing room stays in the dressing room yeah but obviously we don't want that now do we we want him to spill all his stories now yeah I'm sure he will I'm sure he will the uh, the clean ones <laughs> I tell you what Albert is a genuinely, genuinely top fella. Everybody at the club loved him. And still do. Mm-hmm. Most famous kit man there has to be. He'd be up there, wouldn't he? Absolutely. I literally couldn't name another kit man. Well, no, I couldn't name another one either. <laughs> Norman Davis, the one before him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be it, yeah. Uh, Alex Wiley now. That's yeah. three. But well, they're all three at United, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, he's a, he's a top guy. He is. I'm looking forward to this one, as you say. Sammy's actually been requested quite a lot from fans, emails, tweets. I just hope he doesn't let us down. Oh, Albert won't. Imagine that. Imagine that. We build him up and he's boring. No, Albert's not going to be boring. <laughs> no. We'll get it out of him. Yeah. This could be a long podcast. This could be a, a Peter Schmeichel podcast. Two and a half hours. Johnny's got a podcast at half five, as long as I'm done for then. <laughs> Whose podcast is he going on? Who's he doing? Um, not podcast, sorry. He's got a Zoom oh, meeting with the management. Yeah, changed very quickly. Yeah, that yeah. old one, yeah. 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 Classic. Yeah. Do you, know, do you know when Johnny does like our Zoom meeting, our, our thing, our podcast? Will he be in another room? Well, I'd like to think that like, I'd be okay to invite you to the house. Well, you know, it depends how long this this pandemic carries on. Can I bring my towel and my swim shorts? The kids are just about to get in. Yeah, and a plastic falcon is a pair of ladders. <laughs> yeah, ladders, what you need. Uh, speaking of listener emails, we'll have some of those at the end and some post-match analysis. But for right now, let's hear from Albert Morgan. Hello, Albert. How are you? Good afternoon, Alan. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yes, I am good. Thank you. Hello, Albert. Hi, David. All right, son? I'm all right, pal. 
Albert, you are our first non-playing guest and you've also been requested to do this podcast by a number of listeners. All right. People have been emailing in and tweeting. So you're a famous kit man, that's for sure. <laughs> that's very nice. <laughs> I think people want you to spill, spill the beans. Oh, no. Well, you have to be careful about <laughs> spilling too many beans. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm a bit too old in the tooth for that, Ellen. <laughs> have you done any podcasts before, Albert? No, this is my, this is my first one. Oh, my goodness. 74 in your first one. Wow. That's it. Never been kissed. <laughs> <laughs> so in this podcast series, we go through a person's life, a bit of a this is your life story. So with you, Albert, we're going to go back to the beginning. Talk to us about your life growing up with football. Was that always your interest? It was always my interest. Uh, when I was first got interested in football, uh, my dad was always a a United fan right from the word go but he would never take me to the Old Trafford because of the crowds so my mum used to say well I'll, I'll take you to City next week mm. and I fell in love with Bert Trotman and he was he was my, he was my idol at the time and I made a mistake many many years later when I was at United I was arguing with Big Smichael about the best goalkeeper I'd seen and I just happened to say the best one that I've seen was Bert Trotman well, that opened the floodgates because the gaffers started saying, aye, aye, we've got a City fan. <laughs> and uh, I got lab- I got labelled with it many, many, many a time. Like he, he said I was a City fan. But, you know, I was, I was never a City fan. I just liked Bert Trotman. And eventually I got going to Old Trafford regularly with my, with my father. And the, the first time I went to Old Trafford, I was about six or seven years of age. And and I've I've never looked back. I've not missed many games in that period, I'll tell you. No, I'm sure you haven't. What year was that, Albert? 50s, 60s? I've seen the the Munich side. Yeah. I've seen the Munich side. I I mean, I went to to Wembley. My first first Wembley was uh, when they played Aston Villa, when Ray Wood got knocked out by Peter McFarlane. And then I went the year after when, uh, you know, when when they played Bolton after Munich. And I can remember being stood outside Old Trafford with my dad when they were bringing the coffins back. Wow. That must have, that must have been a, a really difficult time. Well, I mean, the, the city and the world was, it was just, it was just very, 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 very sad. It was, it was very, very cold and it was, it seemed darker and it was, it was just a horrible, a horrible time for, for everyone in Manchester. So you've seen the club going through that whole rebuilding process. Oh, yes. That must have been incredible to watch as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't all, you know, it wasn't sort of like all wine and roses, but it was like two or three steps forward and, you know, a couple back. And then we had yeah. Samat was in hospital and, you know, then he was, he was going to die and he was this and he was that, but he was such a strong-willed character as he later proved that, uh, you know, he got it going again with, with Jimmy Murphy and the rest of them, and slowly but surely, you know, it, it, they built it up again. Mm-hmm. Bought some good players, bought bought the lawman, brilliant. Bobby Charlton coming, Albert Quicksall, another good signing. Who was your favourite player in that era? Oh, the lawman, the lawman, no danger about that. He was, he was to me, he was, he was me Paul Scholes of that era. He was brilliant. For for younger listeners, 
I mean, I include myself in that. People that won't have seen Dennis Law in the flesh. Yeah. Who would you, do you was there someone in the in the Alex teams or now that you would say was it was similar that people could look at and go, that's what he was like? Dennis Dennis Law to this day. Mm-hmm. One what I call a one-two player that I've ever seen in my life. Dennis was like three or four jumps in front of everybody else's move-wise. He was he was unbelievable, the lawman. No danger. Oh yeah. And you know, Bobby and George Best, they were good. And you know, Paddy Paddy Crennan, he was good. Couldn't run for a bus, but <laughs> pass a ball. ball, but he couldn't run. If if he was late getting for the bus, he'd miss it. But I mean, there was there was loads of them. I mean, Alex Stepney, good good player. Bill Folks, like I've said all along, we've had some tremendous players in our club right the way through the years. We've had some belters, mm-hmm. the best. Well, all the others think they've had good players, but oh, they used to queue up to come to our club. So did you ever imagine when you were watching those teams that you would end up working for the club for 20 years? No, no chance. Never, 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 ever, ever give it a thought. Never give it a thought. I was just, nah, no, I was, I was, I was, I was lucky there that, you know, that, that I knew, I knew the original kit man, Norman Davis. I used to, I used to, I was a, pre- I used to be his apprentice at the garage where we worked. Well, we both worked. I met Norman when I was 15. That's, that must have been straight from school then, Albert, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I left school on the Friday and started at, uh, at the garage on the Monday. What was you like at school? Was you sporty? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked my football. Yeah. I used to play, used to play in, the, in the sort of like the local, the local Gorton League and used to get yeah. the crap kicks out of you, but it was good. You know, <laughs> and you give it a bit back and used to play every dinner time at the garage. Yeah. The highlight of the year at the garage when you played dead in the park opposite was like when there was a derby on. Because the garage was in Moss Side, and most of the people lived in Moss Side, there was like, we used to have a City and United 11. Oh, well, <laughs> that was the obnail boots coming out and the, oh, the lot broken ankles. One one week I give one of the lads the run around that week because we used to have it over a five-game tournament in the week. And one day I give this lad the run around in a derby week, this particular day, I, I cracked three goals in. Of course, I was taking the mickey out of him walking back to the garage with the part and both really giving him some stick. And then about half three in the afternoon, I was walked past him again and I was still giving him stick. And he threw a screwdriver at me. I, I ducked and it landed right in the door. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, li- I live to sell the sale. We used to kick lumps out of one another. Oh, big time. Tell us, Albert, about your journey into being a kitman. Obviously, you said that you knew Norman. Was he working at the garage and at United at the time, by the way? Norman works at the garage and then he left to become... Uh, he, had, he had an interest in a firm called Crystal Cabs in Stretford. The Crystal Cabs got a contract running all the people about from Old Trafford and taking the kids from Old Trafford to the cliff. You know, the Norman was involved in that. They got a minibus. Somehow they decided that they wanted somebody to look after the kit because I think it, in them days it was the first come, you know, first come best dressed. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it was changing as different club policies were changing and football was getting more of a, well, it was going more commercial and whatever. And they just asked Norman one day, would it, did he fancy becoming, create this role as a kit manager? And he, he started what, what we called 
the monster. He, he kicked the monster of the kit department off because when I joined him, and especially just before he retired, he turned around and said, I'm glad I'm getting out of this because the, the monster's growing another head. <laughs> that wasn't the gaffer, was it? <laughs> no, that was, that was, oh no, he had, like me, Norman yeah. had a, a great relationship with the boss. I mean, he really did. The pair of them used to slaughter me. The first week that I started, they had me in front of the police, the pair of them. Why? In what context? Norman used to go over to the to the cliff. We used to have the kit washed at Old Trafford and the girls used to sort it all out and put it in the bundles and then, you know, we'd put it in the back of the minibus and, and take it over. Norman used to go over in his car so that he could come back early and I went over in the van and I used to have to wait till the stragglers used to come in to bring the kit back. And I'm going down the road there between the cliff, the dock road. And I just went through the traffic lights as they went on to red. Of course, I goes over to the cliff and Norman had seen this in his car and he goes running into the gaffer's office and they set it up that the gaffer called me in the office and said that he just had the police on. <laughs> the club minibus had been seen going through a red light coming up up to the cliff <laughs> and I had to take my licence to the police station in uh, in Talbot Road <laughs> so that was my first christening that's brilliant <laughs> did you take it down there? I was going to do I'll be honest I was going to do Ken Merritt who was the secretary at the time he got wind of this and uh, you know he, he got hold of me and stopped me and yeah, I'd never been in the police or whatever and I wanted to go and clear my name and you know <laughs> Norman and the gaffer were uh, absolutely wetting themselves laughing. So it started at an early age for you then, didn't it really? Getting <laughs> getting a stuck out of you. No two ways about that first week. That's brilliant. I can always remember the gaffer. He had a book out at the end of my first season and I've still got it upstairs and the book says in it, well done Albert, in your first year I didn't think he was going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a big treasure of mine, that is good. I'm sure it is. Brilliant. Yeah. That's quality. So did you enjoy it when you started? Oh, it was great. Like I've said, I mean, Maisie's heard me say this before. I was 45 when I started. I first met Norman at 15. I had many a crack behind the ear with him. and He knocked life into me, if you know what I mean, because Norman was a, a great fella. And when I first started at United, I did one thing or another, and he sort of like, what if I told you then? He'd give you the clip round the ear and all that off. But it didn't do me any harm. It was good. He was still knocking lumps out of me at 45. <laughs> but we was good pals. He was a great guy. He was a legend. Loved him a bit. Good guy. He was. He had a great record as well, Norman. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you came in and then all the pressure was back onto you then. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't think I did, I don't think I did so bad in 31 trophies I've got. Wow. Not bad. That's not bad, <laughs> is it? Not bad. Albert, for anybody listening that doesn't isn't quite sure what your roles and responsibilities are, I'm sure they've changed a lot since since you started the job, but... Just tell us, give us a bit of an insight into what your day-to-day jobs would be. Glorified baby minder. Sits on his ass. That's what I used to do. Glorified baby minder, Ellen. Yeah. You, know, you, know what it, you know what it's like with two kids? <laughs> Three you've got now. I used to have 30 odd of them. <laughs> I could keep on saying them. I've loved every minute of it. It was very, very, very good. But the day-to-day stuff was, you know, I was lucky. I had good staff around me. I had Four great girls in the laundry. That was different class. You know, they was salt of the earth and you could trust them with your life and they'd help you. You could even ring them up on a Christmas day and say, you know, can you come in? And one thing or another, they'd say, Albert, 
I've got the dinner out. I'm point. I'm doing the dinner. And they say, well, come on, swings and roundabouts. You know, you you wanted an afternoon off the other week, and you wanted a morning off, and <laughs> blah blah blah. And then they used to put the phone down. You knew that they would come in, and and when the time you went you went back in on uh, on Boxing Day morning, that what you'd ask them to do would be done. They were brilliant girls, really good. How often? How often did you ask people last minute on Christmas afternoon to do something? Because I feel like that was a true story. That is a true story, but that's. Not not often, but it, it was there. They'd, they'd have come in any time. It was, it was good girls, really good girls. Yeah, they were. Great girls. And then we had, like, when I first started, there was a fella called Alan Tomlinson at the cliff. And Alan was a very, very quiet man, dedicated to the job. He lived at the cliff. I mean, he, his day started about 7 o'clock in the morning, and sometimes he didn't go home quarter to 11, 11 o'clock at night after the kids had finished training at the cliff at the night. And then we moved to Cannington and we'd only been there about a couple of weeks and the poor old Alan collapsed in the canteen, had a stroke and no he never came back. He died about a fortnight later. It was tragic that. He was he was a great man, Alan Tomlinson. Great lad. And then we got a guy called John Campbell. Well, John Campbell, your Johnny will know John Campbell. Him and your Johnny had a, a great relationship. He was he was a good guy. That's little little uh, little Scottish guy, isn't it? Little Scottish guys. That's the one. He was brilliant. Celtic, big Celtic fan. Big Celtic fan. Him and the gaffer was like red rag to a bull. Yeah. Even to this day, they still ring one another up. Oh, John must be thousands and thousands of pounds up in in bets that he's had with the gaffer. Must be. He'll be a happy man at the minute then, won't he? Oh, the way that they used to speak to one another. Oh, I used to walk away. It was just like being in the gobbles on a Saturday night. Bloody hell. <laughs> oh. And, and 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 like I say, I can always remember the gaffer said to me, I've got a surprise for Campbell. I says, why? What, what What's the surprise? He said, don't say anything to him. He said, but I'm signing Henrik Larson on loan. I said, no way. He said, I'm signing Henrik Larson on loan. He said, but don't tell Campbell, I'm going to tell him. Get Henrik some gear ready. So I said to John, I said, there's a new player coming in. Get him sorted out with some uh, with some gear. So of course, John said, who is it? I said, I don't know. I said, you better go and see your pal upstairs. Next time he saw the gaffer, he started about, who's this player? So he, he told him, but John thought he was having him on. You know, he was telling him where to go and, uh, you never get him and blah blah blah. <laughs> he wouldn't believe it when when Larson walked in. He was on the floor. He was bowing at him, bowing at his feet. <laughs> <laughs> and even, even to this day, he loves it every time. It, the old time that Henry's been after us, you know, when while John was there, he oh Henry Larson, Henry Larson, oh best player we ever had here. He says Henry Larson. <laughs> <laughs> Albert, I've heard that you've also been on the receiving end of a number of jokes. Uh, I've heard you once talk about uh, Brian McClare before you had a heart bypass, turning up to training with wood samples and asking you which you'd like for your coffin. Yeah, that's true. And he, and he also uh, came in round, round about the same time with a, with a tree, asking me where, he wanted to, where I wanted the tree put in as a memorial when after the, outside, of the, <laughs> outside of the training ground. But, it, you know, that type of thing, that's the thing that got you through you know certain situations in your life it, the, the, the banter and the and the camaraderie was good but Chucky had a a wicked wicked sense of humour but he was oh it was shocking but it was good fun what are the what are the best jokes you saw best jokes I saw 
I think Maisie used to pull off had some good ones, but the best the best one that I ever saw was in a hotel with Volta de Silva, the fitness coach, who came with uh, with Carlos Quiros. When we used to go away, the boss had was very very superstitious about the hotels. If we won the year before, you stayed there the next year. And we used to stay at this place called Lumley Castle. Well, the word had it, this Lumley Castle was haunted. All the week prior to, to going to Lumley Castle, Walter and Carlos were going on to the boss about changing the hotel. No, 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 we, we're staying there, we're staying there. Oh, no. And then all the way up to up in the bus, up to Newcastle, TC's giving it out about this ghost and this and that and the other. And don't worry, boys, and whatever. And Carlos was saying, well, if there's any message, I'm going to go to the travel lodge down the road and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. The gaffer's telling him he's not and we arrived at the hotel and the boys went off in the annex, went down and had something to eat. All the boys went to bed. After a while, usual, the gaffer was the first to go about half nine to his bed and then about 10 minutes later, Volter and Carlos went upstairs and it left the likes of me, Gary Armour, TC and Mick, I think Rob Squires and just sat in the bar and we've been there about 10 minutes and TC all of a sudden says, right boys, drink up, we're going to have some fun. So he goes upstairs to TC's room and uh, he brings this case out. Well, he's got these maths in this case. Good God. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable, these maths. And he says to Mick, strip the bed. So Mick gets the white sheet, puts it over around him and one thing another. Mick puts a mask on it scared me to death and I was in the room. <laughs> and, and then CC put a mask on and oh, then they go outside and I'm not kidding, he turned all the lights out in a very, very narrow corridor. You couldn't see a hand in front of you. Next minute he goes, knock, 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 knock on Carlos's door, which was right opposite. Hello? Carlos. Carlos. Volta with you. Carlos. Knock, knock, knock on the door. Me and Gary Armour were just on the floor. We heard Walter say, phone reception, it's the ghost, it's the ghost. I told you, we shouldn't have stayed here. We shouldn't have stayed. <laughs> knock, knock, knock on the door. And he opened, he opened the door and he shut it all in one movement. And he, he said, he said to, to Carlos, it's there, it's there, it's there, I've just seen it. What are we going to do? It was, it was unbelievable. Anyway, it, it, we backed off and he came out of his room he came out of the room, Walter, and went in his own room. But what we didn't realise was, in the rooms at the hotel, every room had a big teddy bear. Well, what TC had done, he'd got hold of the key for the Walter's room, and he put one of these baby-minded, you know, the baby-minded thing that you have a, a speaker in. A baby monitor? Yeah. He put one of them in the back of the teddy bear. <laughs> and he zips it up, and he's got it on the bed. So he goes back in his own room and he's going, Walter, Walter, with the teddy bear. <laughs> so then, you know, we had a bit we had a bit more fun and we was walking about. And then, then we went back downstairs. We said goodnight after we went and we had another drink and I went to bed. I get ready for my bed, pulls a duvet back and there's a full-blown skeleton in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> So that was, that was it, you know. The next morning we got we got down and we're all having our breakfast because I was going to the ground early to lay out. Volta come in and we'd all say, "Oh, I, I hear he is like, oh, I tell you, he looks absolutely, oh, he looked he looked dead, absolutely looked dead." <laughs> He's 
probably shattered, didn't sleep a wink. All right, Walter. Oh, DC. DC, I have had, I am never staying at this hotel again. I knew we knew it was haunted. I have had no sleep. And you know what? He said, even the f***ing teddy bear knew my name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that was the best. That was brilliant, Albert. That was the best ever. Oh, brilliant. That was quite uh... Don't get me wrong, we had some belters. Oh, but that was the funny, oh, that was, oh. I've never heard that. You just mentioned there that you went to the ground uh, first to set out the kit. Is that how much longer were your days than everybody else? Well, I mean, it was a long day for for, for everybody on a match day till till you got home at night. I mean, but you never you never thought about how long the days were. You just got on with it. It's as simple as that. I mean, you, but even training days were they a lot longer for you? Yeah, I mean, but you could you could get home from Europe. I'd, I'd get back home in the house about. Four o'clock, five o'clock, sometimes depending on where you'd been in the morning, yeah. And then some, sometimes I'd, I'd be in bed, I'd just be getting warm or whatever, and the phone would go. You'd only been in bed about an hour and a half or something like that, and it was. And the missus used to pick the phone up. Hello, boss. How are you? And he used to say to me, Albert, do us a favour. I'm going to London this afternoon. Will you will you come and pick me up so I can leave my car at home? Yeah, no problem, boss. I'll, I'll see you in an hour. No, now. <laughs> but you, you you got up. You didn't you didn't think anything about it, and you you know you, you took you took him to Canningston, and you, you had you just started laughing and getting on with it, and having your breakfast and joining in with all the bands. So that was just that was just a life that he was leading. When did that real bond with Sir Alex kind of start for you and him? Did you get on very well from the word go? I think I think we did. I think it, I think it's the age thing, and from what I can gather, with all with all his kitmen that he's had, uh, you know, like myself, Norman, Sir Teddy Scott at Aberdeen. I met him, introduced me to him. Uh, he had this. He used to have this thing for for his kitmen. It's just it's just just a thing that he's got. Like, but my proudest thing that I have got with the boss is is his, is his trust. Yeah, that's that's what I'm very. I'm very, very proud of that. Very, very proud of that. More than, almost more than anything. That's, I really am proud of that. Mm-hmm. What's the strangest thing that he's asked you to do? Oh. Must have given you some special requests. I heard about uh, you had to sneak Roe Ferdinand out of a hotel once. Yeah, well, that, well, there's, there's, there's your trust, you see. There's your trust. I mean, that's why when we had home, when we had home games uh, and, and Norman, Norman started this and I, I, carried, I carried it on, I used to go to Old Trafford half eight, nine o'clock on the morning of a match day and had already laid out the day before because you didn't know what was what was going to happen. I'd be there, say, for nine o'clock on a Saturday morning for the three o'clock kickoff. You know, every, everything was done. But you had to be there because the phone would go, Albert, can you just nip here? Albert, can you come down to the hotel and Rio Ferdinand's ripped his back and put a blanket out and put him under it and don't let anybody see it and take him home and <laughs> then you had to get back to Old Trafford for three o'clock or for one o'clock when the lads come and all this type of thing so if I hadn't had done the gear on a Friday preparation although saying that I did uh, I did read in an interview you did that despite the preparation the day before and so on I guess you gave Mark Bosnich a yellow shirt oh, for that an was Arsenal that. game and had to race to the mega store. that was my biggest biggest oh that was Oh bloody hell! Fire is unbelievable. <laughs> Even torturing you now. Oh yeah, I mean that was. I mean, there's a cupboard halfway up the tunnel in at Old Trafford. 
that has all that has all the electric meters in it. And Jim Ryan swears to this day, every time he sees me in the tunnel and he's there, he always goes to that box to see whether I'm still in it. <laughs> That's where he reckons I went. <laughs> that was the first game back from Brazil after we moved into Carrington. That. So what happened? Well, I mean, we played Arsenal. All the boys were going out onto the pitch. Tony Colton shouts up the... I heard him say, where's Albert? Albert! Bozzy's shirt. And I look, I was just at the door of the dressing room. And I look, I look round. I says, he's got it on. Bozzy's shirt. Then the penny dropped because I saw Arsenal coming out of their dressing room dressed in yellow. And I thought, oh, sugar. <laughs> and then, and then, and then like, like an idiot, I found one in, in, the, in, the, la- in the laundry after they'd been in the mega store and one thing or another. And I walked, out, I walked out while the game was going on and, and I'm sort of like trying to walk up to the game it's uh, side of the pitch at the Stretford End and all the Stretford End started shouting out, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody took it in good art and, you know, it was just just one of them things. But that was that was my worst ever. What about getting Bex's name wrong then? Ah, that wasn't my fault, son. That was... Are you that sure? Was, ah, positive. That was... I was a bit of hard luck that I had four Beckham shirts in my bag because I used to take too long and too short with me. yeah. And obviously you get word blind and you don't see the spelling mistakes. Well, I didn't anyway. Put his, his shirt on the peg and he put the shirt on. He was on the bench and the game was going on and all of a sudden the gaffer turned around and says, Bex, get ready. David sat in front of me and he whipped his top off and right away I thought, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so who's fault with that? Well, that was the people who printed the shirts at the time. We didn't do them in-house at the time. Mm. Then there was another case where the Tom, what was he called? The, the Tom Cusack. Yeah. He nearly killed me one night because I'd missed a Z out of his shirt. <laughs> you are making me look a fool all over Europe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Albert, what was the situation? Because I guess it was your first full season as, um, as the main man. Uh, that was the the year down at the Dell where United had to swap shirts at half time. That was the year before. That was in Norman's final season. Right. Okay. Yeah. That was that was. I was only talking about that this morning. That was something that we had the great kit, and there was some. There was a lot of truth in it because the boys used to say that they couldn't see one another, especially in a tight ground like the Dell. We had this lady that was a supporter at the time called Gail Stevenson and Gail was the eye lady she did a lot of work with you Maisie didn't she she was brilliant she was very good yeah she worked on your peripheral vision and, and stuff like that yeah I remember her as well she was a professor of ophthalmics at Liverpool University and plus the fact she was a mad Man United fan she heard about the problems they were having with this shirt so she did a study on it and wrote a letter to the boss saying about this shirt he got me and Norman in and said what do you think about this letter and one thing another well I won't repeat what Norman said but <laughs> you can imagine and uh, anyway the boss got her in she worked at the club part time for 16 or 17 years till unfortunately she died but yeah, Gail had all all the scientific she was right what she said the boys weren't winning in it and the gaffer kept saying to us the week before, we now take that blue kit, take that blue kit down to Southampton. And Norman kept saying, ah, I'm not taking that. 
I'm not taking that. We said to him, you can't do that. You'll get fined. I'll pay the so-and-so fine. He said, take it. Anyway, because the superstition in the laundry was cover your ass, we decided that we would. So we put it on the bus. We went down to Southampton and we were getting beat 3-0 at half time. And as the third goal went in, the gaffer turned around to me and Norman and said, you two go and get that kit out now. Was he that polite? Was he that polite to you, Albert? <laughs> Can you also imagine if you hadn't have packed that blue kit? Oh, we'd have been dead, Helen. We'd have been dead. We'd have been dead. <laughs> we went in the dressing room and the boys didn't know what they were walking into because they didn't know. And uh, we had all the blue kit out and it was just like, was you there, mate? Was you playing? Okay, we'll about half time. We won the, won the second half 1 0. Well, that's right. Well, <laughs> see, it was nothing to do with that blue kit. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean you know what it was like what was it like in oh, it, was, it, it was surreal Jesus it, was, that, it was so strange you're oh, expecting really the gaffer was. to absolutely rip everyone's head off and all he had to go was a kit Albert yeah. get that f-ing kit out and him and Norman are scurrying around the dressing room with his kit yeah lads yeah lads passing it around brilliant what, what, one player had one colour sock on and yeah. the other one oh, on the but absolutely bananas but he said, he still says to this day that we won the league on that one goal in the second half. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. Albert, something else I desperately want to hear your story on is something that perhaps is not a traditional part of the kit man's role. You starred in a Nike advert with Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, that's right. How did that happen? Well, Nike just, you know, they, obviously I, I think these people sort of like run out of ideas of what, what they can do. And all of a sudden somebody come up with the idea that uh, Albert had you know, could put this tight-fitting vest on and one thing and another on his shirt and uh, see what he could do. And they got this bit of a script and we was doing a bit of ad-libbing and one thing and another. And, yeah, it was it, it was it was good. And I, I still get kids coming up to me now no way. and ask, asking me to teach them how to hit the crossbar. <laughs> Love that. How did you hit the crossbar? Well, it only took one seat and it was left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. <laughs> one take wonder. One yeah, take, Albert. How, how did it. the dressing room react to that advert? Oh, I got slaughtered. But the, be- <laughs> the, the, be- the best part about it was that at the, at the end of it, to this day, I don't know why, because to be fair to Ronnie, he wanted it in as well. There's a bit on it at the end where he comes in and he, and he says to me, give me, give me my shirt. So I'm there with like bare-chested, taking the shirt off, and I end up with the ball in my hand. He walks away with the shirt, and I drop kick the ball, smacks him on the back of the head, <laughs> and it, it was hilarious. I couldn't, I couldn't have done it again if I'd have tried, you know, <laughs> smacks him on the back of the head, and they had it on the film. They cut it out for some unknown reason. Oh. Need to get that footage. Oh, um, it was brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, it, 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 honestly, amazing. It, 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 it made the advert. Yeah, it would. It would. Albert, something I want to ask you about, I actually was just talking to Johnny about this a couple of weeks ago and I don't know why it came up, but you're talking about things going wrong. Do you remember the Sunderland game where the players, oh, um, I think it was during no, the no, second I'll, half. I'll, 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 go on then, go on, carry on. No, you tell the story. Johnny was there, wasn't he? Yeah. He came home in his kit. Before I say anything, Sunderland Football Club were absolutely fantastic about this. They were fantastic. Now I'll tell the story. <laughs> Good. We go to the ground. There was a, a drip, drip, drip. They had a bucket under this drip. 
you know, it, it was there, and they said, "Oh, we've 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 got we've got a leak up there." So all the boys were getting ready. You know, they're all they're all walking round this bucket. The manager's in the corner like he did. He'd done his team talk at the hotel and he was reading his program. We all went out on the on the pitch for the warm up, and I goes out a few minutes later to pick all the tops up and different things that the boys left behind as they got warmed up and one thing or another. I'd been out there a few minutes and one of the security guards come in and he said, uh, Albert, he said, uh, I think you better come in the dressing room. He said, that bucket's getting a bit full. So I said, yeah. I said, I'll come in now. I said, and change it. I said, we'll get the bin. Anyway, by the time we got in, the, the bucket had been changed to a to the bin. Somebody had put the bin under it. Well, we walked in and it was like, they had these eight by six ceiling tiles and before you could say whip, one of these ceiling tiles just burst out. It was just... Oh, shit everywhere. Shit everywhere. Oh, 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 oh. It was bouncing. The gaffer just got out. It was all over the suits, the clothes. Oh, my God. Balls up the ceiling. So it was just, oh, Jesus. Berbatov was going mad about his <laughs> shoes. His shoes were just sunk in three inches of shit. That's horrendous. What did you do? How did you fix that? All their phones, their wallets, everything. It was horrendous. Absolutely, it was horrendous. There was wedding rings, there was bloody expensive watches, there was this, there was that, all in the shoes and one thing or another. Me and Gary Armand and one or two more, we just took our shoes and sort I'll tell you what, Ellen, it, it cures verrucas. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't. You didn't have to. You weren't wading through it. You threw it. Honestly, trying to oh. save everything. Oh, no, oh you, my oh, god! Oh no, you could. You couldn't. You couldn't save a thing. Everything had gone. Oh, you couldn't save a thing. Oh, no chance. Oh, shoes, suits. Like I said, the only thing. The only thing we were doing. We were going in the lads' socks and the and the shoes. To get the jewelry. To get the jewelry and the watches and oh, of course then. And th- this is like 10 to 3. Game kicks off at, at 3 o'clock. Where was all the shirts? They were all covered in shit. No. They were all splattered in, in shit. All, all, all. <laughs> this is quality. That's absolutely insane. I've never heard this story. Do you know what? I actually don't know whether anybody's told this story. Yeah, this is extraordinary. Over the wall. Everywhere. What was the score? What? What was the score? I think the shit won 3-0. <laughs> <laughs> I must ask Johnny what it was. But the players came home in their kits, didn't they? Let me finish. It was like 10 to 3, so they had to put the game back half an hour. That's right. Of course, all, all the boys are saying, I'm not playing in that. How can we play in that? You better get some kit off Sunderland. And how can we play in this? And I'm not playing in that. But the kit man, he has a rabbit. Yeah, always thinking... The old saying came out then, cover your ass. He goes in he goes <laughs> literally, in the, literally. Yeah, literally. He goes in the <laughs> shower room at the back, comes out with his spare set of kits. They are boys, go out in that. Brilliant. But in the meantime, and it was so, so funny this, Steve Brucey was the manager at the time. He heard about this. Well, Brucey was one of the best sweepers in the Premier League to me that we have that we ever had. But that day, he, was, he did more than sweet. He come in at another door at the back of the dressing room. I've never seen a bigger brush. He had this brush, must have been about 14 foot wide, this brush. <laughs> There's big Brucey at the back coming in, just shoveling this 
<laughs> out, out of the dressing room. But honestly, I'll never forget Brucey doing that. Brilliant. That's brilliant. And then, I, and then we, and then we went out. The boys went out and played. They came in at half time, and then they all started winding me up. Then Albert, I want, a, I want a shirt. I want a shirt for the second half. Let me shirt for the second half. Oh. I, I won't tell you what I won't tell you what I said, but that 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 was horrendous. That was horrendous. How has that never ever come out? Yeah. Then we had to to get the bus to to come to, you know, back to the ground or come up to the ground, and we were taking all the. Uh, all the, the lads' trackies out of the bags because we just we just put all the suits and everything in, in black bags. And, and like I said at the start, Sunderland Football Club were fantastic. Nothing ever came out about it. You never heard anything about some of the suits coming back on, you know, like, like they did. They just they must have just destroyed a lot. Well, they wouldn't have done because it was covered in <laughs> Really? You haven't mentioned that? What was the reason given for the game being delayed half hour? I, I, I'm not. I don't know. It was up to me neck in it. <laughs> well, because it was shit in the dressing room. <laughs> no, but I don't think it actually came out that story. It will do now. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrendous. That's horrible. That's bound to have been the worst thing that's ever happened uh, in your career, Albert. We, we, we can laugh about it now, but oh, <laughs> bloody hell. Not funny at the time. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sat here with my stocking, with, with no socks on, and bloody hell, my feet are lovely. It must have been all that stuff that they had. <laughs> <laughs> and you said Johnny went home in his kit still? Yeah, they went home in their kit. Everybody did. No, they went home in the tracksuits. Oh, tracksuits, that's right. the tracksuits on again. Yeah, it was all the tra- all tracksuits. Oh, Ellen, you couldn't have gone home in his... You'd have stumped your house out, love. No, no. Bloody hell. <laughs> I wouldn't have let him in. <laughs> Do you know what else Johnny actually told me? That you had a little, um, couple of little superstitions yourself, Albert, because I'm sure you've dealt with so many superstitions of players, but you always put the captain's armband on his arm. Always. Always had it on. A, because I knew, I knew where it was. When I, got, when I got changed, I used to put it on and I wore it until I give, you know, until I give it to the captain. That was a, was a big superstition yeah. of mine. And I also, mm-hmm. for three or four years, I always had the same one. Always had the same armband. Mm-hmm. What about players, Albert? What about players' superstitions? Well, I mean, Ed, any strange ones? Cantona was the was the one, the strangest one. I mean, I tell this one a lot. Eric used to have, want the same pair of socks. If we had, if we were playing in black socks, he'd want the same pair that he had the week before. And the girls used to put a little cross stitch a little cross in it so that we knew they were Eric's socks. And the same with the whites. Whatever colour sock we played, we had, he, he wanted the same one. And then he used to want a salt pot near his kit. And he used to he used to get the salt pot, put his hand in the sock and put the uh, put the, the salt in his sock and then put his uh, put his, his socks on. I, I christened him salt and vinegar feet. <laughs> what a lovely name. But if it did the trick for him, well, it did the trick. Mm-hmm. And the aim of my job was to make sure that the lads obviously were ready and and they didn't have sort of like any stupid issues in their mind. They went out to perform. Never we never waited for anything, Albert. You were you were you were top dog. Andy Cole with his with his boots was an, it was an absolute nightmare, Coley. I mean I love Coley to bits, but it was a night and I say this to him, he was the worst I ever had Coley with his with his feet. Oh, nightmare. He come see at five to three. Say Albert just stretch them five to three. Say all right, Cole. 
I just put him down somewhere and he'd hang on and hang on and hang on. And then he'd say, Albert, got me back. I said, yeah, just, I'm just taking him off to stretch you. And they hadn't even had him on. I said, oh, that's, they're brilliant, them now. <laughs> no way. Oh, also. How was, how was Maisie to deal with in the changing room? Loved me, Albert, didn't you? Was he high maintenance? Yeah, he was, Maisie was all right. He, he kept the banter going and you just, you had to be careful because, you know, it could do things to you. But uh, Maisie, Maisie was good. Plain and plain and simple, Maisie. Oh, cheers, Albert. No fuss. Like Denny Serwin was another one. It was, it was good. Dead, dead easy. Everybody goes on about a bet. Ronnie Ronaldo was an handful. No, he wasn't. Ronaldo was great. None of none of them were were, were awkward. Mm-hmm. None of them. You say that, but I have a weird uh, feeling that Maisie once told me that he put itching powder in your pants. No, it wasn't itching powder. It was DP. Oh, that's worse, I reckon. DP in my underpants. It has that. It just has that long-lasting burn <laughs> that, you, that you can't get rid of. It's like when you have a really hot curry and you drink water. It just makes it worse. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of underpants, you had some lucky underpants in the '99 season, right? The missed the men. Yeah, and I don't. I, to this day, I don't know what happened to them. I can remember being at Wembley. Going back to the hotel at Wembley when my wife was, was in the hotel and we came back from the game and uh, she was getting herself ready for the do at the night and I walked in, opened my case and was flung these underparts. I said, do us a favour, love. I said, just, just run them through. I said, I want a second to Barcelona in the morning. Of course, Deb told me where to go with the underpants and he ended up washing them myself. (laughs) 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 Amazing knows what my missus was like. Oh, she was ruthless. You won't mess with Debs. Absolutely. (laughs) No chance. So, yeah, but it it, it worked. And like I say, it's... It set the tone. There was, there was there was many a time when you'd be in the dressing room and it was quiet and you know there was nothing going on and you could tell that the lads were a bit. And the gaffer used to say to me, "Get them at it, get them at it." You did. You just had to find someone or do something stupid and get them going, and that was how it worked. And it was it was great. What was your favourite era or your favourite year, even? Because you've had an incredible um, record: thirty-one trophies. No, but you must have one, one season that stands. I it has to be the treble, surely. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'll always go to that, Ellen. You'll you'll always go to that. But we've had we've had some wonderful, wonderful experiences, and you know, a, a few a few bitter, bitter, bitter disappointments. But you know, the the the, the winning and all that far far outweighed all that lot. But but what mm-hmm. what you know, when 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 some when, when a disappointment hurts. And I mean, I, I can always remember in 2012 when, when you know, the noisy neighbours picked us. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the, when we were again, when when we were up at Sunderland, I can always remember the gaffer getting on the bus, and uh, you know, he turned around and he said, "Well, they're not going; they won't win it next year." And they didn't. We we won it the next year, you know, the 2013, mm-hmm. and he he, he was determined. Mm-hmm. Was determined. Did you ever get close to getting a sack, Albert? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, no, to be too, no. Not that he knows of. Not that you know of. Any runnings over the gaff away? You know, you you fell out. Well, like, like the, the, I've said this loads of times as well. I had a I had a couple of air dryers. One we won't talk. About, I won't talk about because we still we still laugh and joke about it today. It's a bit personal, but 
I used to tell him everything everything I was doing and where what I was doing and where I was going and just to you know and this particular Friday morning I said to him I'm going to London on the coach I said I'll I'll see you at Houston I all right he says do us a favour he said take take us my bag I goes in his office and gets his bag off he goes on the bus and a couple of hours later he he rings me he says Albert he says uh, bring us that bag back he said I want a book out of it. I said, Gaffer, I'm just going. I'm just going past Luton Airport. He said, You're going past where? I said, I'm going past Luton Airport. Oh, he went mad and put the phone down. <laughs> anyway, so we go to the ground. Means the driver and laid the gear out, and we went to Houston. Of course, hopped off the bus and I'm giving the lads a lift to put all the gear, you know, the bags under the bus and skulls here and all that. Lot are all shouting, Here he is, boss. He's here. Here he is. Yeah, Albert, the boss wants you. All this. <laughs> anyway, I kept out of I kept out of his way. He always used to sit at the front of the bus. So I got on at the back of the bus. You know, they're all like, Albert, can I have a drink? Get us a hot chocolate. Blazing hot afternoon, get us a hot chocolate. And then boss, you want a cup of tea? Albert will get you a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> and then we and then, and then we get we get we get to the hotel and uh then that's it again when we're getting the stuff off. Have you got the boss's bag, Albert? Where's his bag? And they go in, they go in the hotel. And I went in the hotel and got ready and had a bath and whatever. And then we went back down in the in the bar before we went into dinner. And then Mick Phelan started. <laughs> yeah, our boss is here. Here he is, here's your mate. I, I the lovers have fell out, they were shouting or something like that. We kept out one another's way, and then all of a sudden we walk in. Who was in the Corinthian? He came came flying down the corridor and just put his arm around me and said, "Give us a kiss." <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was it. Everybody cheered. <laughs> Tremendous. Good. Good. Did you ever have any moments as someone who was, I guess, so much in the inner circle? Like, I guess you knew the teams. I assume before the players knew them. I knew the team on a Friday. Yeah. So, like, with like, um, so one example. So. Obviously, you would have known. You would have been one of the very few people that known Paul Scholes was coming out of retirement, or that, oh, um, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Dimitar Berbatov was dropped for the Champions League final. Yeah. What was it like having that kind of information and, and knowing that no one else knew? Well, I suppose I suppose because you had the mindset and you knew that the boss could trust you. Well, sometimes mm-hmm. he, he used to play with people. Paddy Credden, I'm sure. He used to go down to Old Trafford on a Friday to try and get me because I always seemed to bump into him. Team news. And he'd say, hey, Albert, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. What's the team tomorrow? And I'd say, I don't know, mate. Ah, come on, you're, you're this and you're that. And I'd say, well, all right. You, you must know. And then I don't know. And then I'd be home here at night. Obviously, when when I wasn't away with the team when, when they were in the hotel, my, my mobile would go, it'd be any, any one of them. I mean, in tomorrow. I mean, I don't know, son. Ah, you're right up his ass. they used to say. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. Did, did he ever make a decision and you find yourself going, oh, you sure? Uh, well, yeah, very, very early days. When, when, when they brought all the, the class of 92 in, when we, got beat, when we got beat at Villa, I goes in for the, for the next home game on the Wednesday. As I used to say to him, give us the runners and riders for the game tomorrow, boss. He'd give, he'd give us the team and... I said to him, I said, I said, are you sure? <laughs> so he said, how do you mean I'm sure? He said, that's it. 
anyway, it, it, it told it told me to go away and uh, put the kit out. <laughs> <laughs> but it did. Was it coincidence <laughs> that you decided to retire the same year he did, or was that always your plan? Uh, that was that was the plan. That was the plan because I promised my wife that I would. She, I mean, she 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 was very very good, but uh, she put up with a lot, like footballers' wives do. I, I, pro- I promise her that when because she always said this: "There's three people in our marriage, me and you and the boss." In what order was it, Albert? <laughs> <laughs> was it the gaffer? I was waiting for was that. It gaffer than you. I was waiting. <laughs> I, was wa- <laughs> I was waiting for that. But uh, we had a little bit of a discussion on one thing and another, and the boss had sort of like told me little things, and and, and then I can always remember the the, the morning that he, he announced it. We were, we were due to go to uh, Chester Races and I went in there all suited up on one thing or another and the girl the girl said to me, the, the boss wants you. So I went upstairs and he just he just told me before he told anybody else that he was going to retire. And then I goes downstairs and I said he said he was going to announce it and I said I rang, I rang the missus up and I said, so I put the telly on. I said, there's going to be an announcement here in a minute. The, the, the gaffer's retiring. She turned around and said to me, "What time are you coming home?" <laughs> <laughs> no, she was she was good. I didn't want to work for anybody else. I, I didn't honestly. I didn't want to work for anybody. Else. Do you think it's because you was retiring, Albert, that the gaffer retired? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you're the most famous kit man there's ever been? No, no. I don't. I, don't, I never think about things like that. I've I've just been I've just been lucky to be be around a, 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 an absolute super super football club with super super people I've just been I've just been lucky in, in in my life because I've only ever had two jobs 30 years at the garage and I've done nearly 30 years at, at Old Trafford and it's not really it's not really a job is it oh you must be joking son come on now oh, putting <laughs> kit putting kits out cleaning boots eh did you not hear the story at Sunderland Maisie <laughs> shoveling shit <laughs> piece of piss <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, 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 I don't think about things like that. I don't no. think about it. It's like I say, I've, 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 I've met some wonderful people, three or four that I've not got on with, but that's just life. Who, who, who are they, Albert? No, no, very first, no chance, no chance. <laughs> Is it the guy that put deep heat in your pants? No, 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 no. I love him to bits. He's a good boy. I did, did that a few times. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Albert, out, out of football, where's the best place you've been? What about the White the White House? Would that be up there? Well, I mean, Nelson Mandela, that's another one. Mm. That's a story in itself, Nelson Mandela. I don't know. Were you there? I was in there before I joined. It was about 2008, I think, 2008, 2009. It was after you, Joyce. Uh, oh, right, OK, after them. We went to Nelson Mandela's house. As you do. Yeah. As you do, we were all there in our blazers, and he has this lady with him that she tells you how long you've got with him, and yeah. we had this like an auditorium with about fifty odd seats in it, and we're we're, we're all we're all sat round. The boss was, I think it was his birthday or something like that, and the, the gaffer and Sir Bobby were, I think it was Sir Bobby that were presenting him with one of them Opus books, all about the history of the club. All of a sudden. My mobile phone went off in my blazer pocket. Everybody's looking round, and 
I got all of a sudden I got arthritic fingers. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, move, I couldn't move my fingers, and the gaffer was looking up and I was trying to get in my pocket. And one thing, was, I, I, final, I finally switched it off. Oh, but so the, the, stressful. Aye, but the, you know, do you know? Have a guess what the tune was? The Great Escape. <laughs> oh, brilliant! And the daftest thing about it was the phone call was from my mate Steve, the decorator, <laughs> my decorating pal, my best, one of my best mates, ringing me up to see what a colour I wanted on the ceiling of the landing here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Albert, you know what? I feel like we've talked in this podcast about a lot of things that have gone wrong for you. But ultimately, <laughs> Maisie was talking about you beforehand, saying like you've just been an incredible part of the changing room. I think you, that, that's what you were saying before, Maisie. Uh, hey, I mean, Albert will know he's been in been in the game for so long now that you need a, you need a good you need a good atmosphere and you need a good set of lads. Mm-hmm. But on top of that. You've got to have a good kit, man. You've got to have that because if you if you don't you don't you don't get you don't get anywhere unless you've got you've got good people around you and a good team and mm-hmm. yeah you know every, everybody everybody's going the same way and if you've got any issues get the issues sorted simple yeah and that's what the gaffer used to do he didn't he didn't take any <laughs> simple as that apart no. from at Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> Albert, you've been an absolute joy to talk to. So, have, firstly, Good thank to see you very you, much for joining us and coming on the podcast. Secondly, just before you go, from your time at United, who is the person with the best stories that you've seen that we should get on as a guest? Nicky Book. Nick is Nick is a good one. The, the, Ollie's good. Ollie, Ollie I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick one about me with Ollie. Yeah. When we used to go away, we used to, we used to travel back. From the from the from the training at the night back to the hotel, your your Johnny will tell you this. We used to travel back, and they had they had the, the training kit on. It was all wet and all smelly and whatever. We used, to, I used to, we used to go back to the hotel, and they used to say to the lads, "Right, leave your kit outside the room, lads." The biggest majority of the time they did, and then I used to go to the room, and either when Alec was coming with me, he, he'd go round, or I'd go round to to pick it all up. But this particular time, I was on my own. I goes outside Ollie's room and they were usually pretty good because he used to, he was shared with Yap Stam. There was no cat outside the door. So I knocked on the door and the door was open, pitch black, lights out the lot. I thought, oh, they've gone down. So I goes I goes in the room looking for the light switch. And it was one of them where they had the where they used to put the card in. So I goes in, next minute, whoop, something comes over my head, and Yap had took the duvet cover off. <laughs> Off the off the duvet, pick me up. I mean, what chance have I got against Yap Stamp? Bloody hell! <laughs> so that, so then all so then Ollie ties Ollie ties the bottom of the duvet cover up, opens the wardrobe door, and it's got it's got like a bedding chest at the bottom of it where all the blankets all the old next to blanket. Put me down in there and shut the lid on the thing. Well, I suddenly I suddenly realised that I could I could still breathe. I couldn't move. So I just I just sort of like lay there. They they they're downstairs. They're downstairs. I've been having something to eat. <laughs> and then about an hour later, I hear them come in, and I heard Ollie say, "He could be dead." <laughs> <laughs> he quite could have been. <laughs> you ask him. You ask him. Is that, that is that right? You you ask him. 
That was cool, eh? Oh, that's brilliant. Amazing. Kidnapped by Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. Balls. All good fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Albert. Albert, it's been a pleasure. Albert, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Albert. All right. Okay. See you, Ellen. See you, Maisie. Take care, pal. Tell us some. Take care. Bye bye. And you, mate. Cheers, Albert. See ya. Well, guys, he didn't disappoint. Some great stories in there from Albert. It was amazing. He's got so many stories. Yeah. I think we could have had hours and hours of stories from him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great guy. He is. And even when we pushed him on a, f- on a few stories that might have been a little bit dodgy, that was it. Close book. No, move on. Yeah. Not a chance. Yeah, he knows where his line is, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Very, very trustworthy. Some, some very good stories. Great stories. Sunderland story. Amazing. Why are you always putting deep heat in his pants, man? Because, what? well, because I could. <laughs> because I, it was... It was <laughs> That's it, isn't it? That's the answer, yeah. isn't it? Because... It, as, as as I said, Albert was a he was a brunt of most jokes, and whether whether you did that or even even cut the toes out of his little socks, you know the ankle socks, mm-hmm. and he just put his socks on and he'd pull pull the socks over his knees because there'd be no toe in it, just childish things, but funny. It's not like you. No. <laughs> cheers, cheers, Sam. <laughs> no, he's he's a he's a. He's um, an unbelievable kit man. He's, I will say he is a fantastic kit man. If you wanted your studs a certain level, certain length, he'd do anything for you. Do you know what, though? The thing is, I asked him what his roles were, but I think he got a little bit sidetracked. Yeah. I don't actually know what his role was, Maisie. Enlighten us. Uh, well, he's, well, obviously kit man. He's to look after the kit. So whether you're at training, he'd put the kit out in the mornings, make sure everything's out, your boots are out. You know, whether you're wearing moulded or you're wearing studs, he would know whether the lads were training in the, in the afternoon. So he'd put an afternoon kit out. Those lads who trained and wanted to do extra in, in, in the evening or in the afternoon, there'd be a spare kit for him. Match days, as he said, you know, go down to the ground a couple of hours before, put the kit out, even the day before sometimes, depending who you're playing against, because sometimes kit goes missing. Um, and, and, and that was it. And, you know, run the gaffer around and, just make sure that everything's perfect for the lads. That's the be all and end all is to make sure come three o'clock kickoff, the lads are prepared. Mm-hmm. Apart from Coley's boots. <laughs> I would say it's a job that people probably think a kit man just gets the kit ready. No. Yeah, but just, there's just hangs so it up, much more to that yeah, job. There's, there's so much responsibility with it because, mm-hmm. as, as you say, if you make a mistake, it's in front of millions. Yeah. regardless what it is you know like we mentioned about the Beck story and yeah. you know Bozo going out with the same colour jersey on just tiny things but you're in front of the world's media mm-hmm. and it comes down to you because you're the kit man so uh, loads of pressure but yeah. um, as you said 31 trophies wow he, he's done some celebrating did kit man get medals I was wondering I didn't want to ask in case they didn't and it seemed like I, I was think that, I, being dismissive do you know what Sam? I wouldn't know to be fair I'll Google it. I know Big Pete gave, not sure if it was after 99, gave him his watch, um, which is a lovely gesture. But as, as for medals, I don't think they do. I'm sure they don't. No. He'd have some collection. I haven't got the answer, but I did just Google it, and the first thing that comes up is Daniele De Rossi puts his World Cup winner's medal in Kitman's coffin, which is a completely separate to this, but still interesting. Thank you, Sam, for that. Yeah. There's been too many mentions <laughs> of coffins in this. Yeah. 
yeah. this podcast. Um, well, I really enjoyed that one. And me lots too. of people, as great. we said at the start, have been emailing in and asking for Albert. So I think a lot of people will be glad to hear from, you know, someone yeah. who's not in the playing staff. Delighted. Uh, all right. I've got an email from Eleanor. Uh, it says, hello from the USA. Thank you for putting together such a great podcast. I've been listening from the start, but now that we've been without matches for a few weeks, it's become essential to my weekly routine. As a relatively new Manchester United fan, the podcast has been a great way for me to dive into the history of the team and its players. I especially enjoyed hearing Lou McCurry's unbelievable story of how he ended up signing with the club and Norman Whiteside's whole podcast was a wild ride that was fun to listen to. Keep up the great work and stay safe, Eleanor. Eleanor, thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you. Fergus says, Hi there, fellow Reds. I used to enjoy listening to the pods on my commute, which has ended for a while due to a lockdown, which we have also had here in South Africa. Right now, it's helping me get through a late work from home shift, catching up on a few episodes with Scott and Jay Lings currently playing. They are hilarious naming this team and also insightful on the more serious stuff. Before that was the Pog cast and also Marcus and Scolzi's one fantastic content guys from the older ones I also enjoyed the Cantona and Schmeichel pod obviously two of our greatest in the Premier League era for what it's worth I think it should be interesting uh, to hear from some of the team that were runners up to Leeds before the dawn of our dominant days I think Schmeichel alluded to this a little bit uh, but more on that should be good stay safe in the meantime and thanks again for the access to these stars Cape Town is home and the pod is about as close as I can get to the team for now Old Trafford live beckons on the bucket list take care Fergus thank you very much indeed Fergus thanks Fergus that's awesome also a good idea to get some of the players sort of pre-90s wouldn't it yeah we've just had Sharpie have we Sharpie was Sharpie doing oh, yeah, well yeah, doing the 88, yeah. 88 didn't yeah. he yeah good big, point big Sharpie yeah Okay, uh, Tony Best says, Hi Sam, Helen and Maisie, just wanted to drop you a note to say a massive thank you for the podcast. They're absolutely brilliant. The Paul Pogba one was great and I'd recommend any United fan listen to it. I hate all the seemingly negative media surrounding Paul as I think he's portrayed in the media in a way that suits the media and too many United fans are too quick to judge. He came across exceptionally well and in my opinion really wants to be successful at United and nothing shows his passion for the club more than how he goes out of his way to interact with the academy players. Just finished listening to the Patrice Everett episode which was again incredible. What a legend. The way he speaks to the club clearly shows that the DNA of the club is something that can be learned and instilled and once it is cannot be removed. Love what he said about Daniel James's first goal celebration. Spot on. Keep up the great work. Do your best to get Sir Alex Ferguson on. Maybe a series of interviews. Titles, Champions Leagues, Legends, Transfers, Retirement etc. There's way too much for one episode. Another player I'd love to hear from would be Ronaldo. Many thanks, Tony Best. And we would too, Tony. Yeah, we'd, we'd like that a lot, Tony. Yeah. I can't believe we didn't ask Albert who he would... Recommend. Um, recommend, and then hopefully he would say Sir Alex, and we would go... He said Nicky Butt, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah but sorry, I mean, I'm hoping that he would say Sir Alex, and then I would say, oh, yeah. great, yeah. Sort it out the now, but get that one done. Yeah. Uh, Peter Pocklington... Great name. ...says, dear team... HMS United. See what he did there? Called us a ship. HMS. What? Helen, Maisie, Sam, United? Yeah, I was thinking of Her Majesty's ship. (laughs) No, nice. HMS podcast. Yeah. What a name. See, do you know what? Only one with brains around here. Only one with brains around, brains around here. Can't even say <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, sorry, Peter Pocklington says, I was behind with my podcast listening as I am losing track of time in the current isolation mode. So yesterday I put time aside to listen to Uncle Pat. 
What a woe experience. His energy, humility and straightforward answering totally blew me away. I remembered thinking at the time, this guy isn't going to make it. And to hear him recall those times and that his agent agreed with my assessment at the time made me laugh. Never been so happy to be so wrong at true great so thank you again for all you're doing to add a new dimension to the lifetime fan experience all the best and stay safe thank you that was very nice this one's from uh, axel he says hey i'm axel i'm 14 years old and i live in norway i've listened to your podcast since your first episode my family has a very weird sense of football my mum is a chelsea supporter my brother is a liverpool supporter and my dad is more of a chess guy but like stubbeck uh, I have never been to Manchester. I saw United play against KBK um, in the summer. Here is a Norwegian sentence you can try to say. Wish me luck. Jeg elsker Manchester United. Keep up the good work. I think that was excellent, Sam. Yeah, elsker da. That says uh, I love Manchester United. Well, here we go. Sorry, I can't believe we didn't ask Maisie to read that out. Yeah, I know. He's so good with his language and his accent. Axel. Yeah, elsker da. Beautiful. Love that, Maisie. Do you know what? There's no end to your talent. Yeah, just means uh, I love. I love you. Bet you know how to say I love you in all the languages, Maisie. Lothario. I love you. <laughs> That's very <British, laughs> fun. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, it seems like the appropriate place to end it. So if you want to get yes, in touch, you can email us. <laughs> Unitedpodcast at maynard.co.uk. Um, like and subscribe and all of that stuff. Leave a review and we'll see you on the next one. Bye.